0: This is Launch Left Podcast. I'm Rain Phoenix. Today's very special guests are Ben Lee and Ioni Sky. They are launching Emily Wuramata. Don't forget, rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. All right. Well, we are here with Ben Lee and Ioni Sky Lee. You go by Sky Lee now. I do. It, yeah. I Do, do. you? Well, <laughs> Just on
1: Instagram. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, legal ways I do, but, uh, you know, in other ways, I guess I'm...
0: It's a good last name. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It was um,
2: shortened. Ben Lee now is like the most common Korean name, but it used to be like Lubofsky probably a long time ago.
1: Yeah, a few generations back. You know, they get clipped when they got off the boat.
2: Yeah, absolutely. so now I've got them a very common, but like a very nice last name.
0: Now we are here in Los Angeles together, experiencing uncharacteristic rain. I know, foggy, very foggy, uh, very rainy.
2: Uh, Yeah, we were just—I was just with my kid, and we were thinking about what's the best music to
0: go with the rain. And we. This model coil.
1: That's yeah, my that's guess. Good. I'm just guessing.
0: Ooh, cocktail right. twins. Yes. Yes. It's yeah, kind of in that world, Mudy. right? Yeah, yeah. And we're right in the new year of 2023. It does it with the rain for you all? Because for me, it does feel, um, sort of elastic, almost liminal. Like, are we really in 2023? Right? Yes, it's not. But yeah. well, don't yeah. you I'd feel started. like this new
1: year in general? It's like uh, I don't even know if we want to celebrate time moving forward. Like, we're all so traumatized and confused by reality mm. that at the we were at a little party and it was like, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, Happy New Year! And then everyone just sort of looked at each other like, uh, what's going to happen?
2: The Happy New Year was not that uh, exciting. Everyone was like, Happy New Year! But yeah, the rain makes it feel, yes, kind of, yeah, like what you're saying, it's just sort of staying in the same place.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I had a myself a New Year experience where I, um, that. Unexpectedly, but so joyfully, was the backup singer for like a band that was playing a lot of Beatles songs. Oh, nice! So I was just hiding on a cushion with a mic, like I stole a mic and I wouldn't let it go, and I just oh, kept fun. singing harmonies
1: and things. I so at a gig or in a house. It was a party. house party, that's and so it, it was the great. most fun
0: New Year's I've ever had. Oh, that's so. Thank good you, Dave there. and Jamie Way. Oh. <laughs> yes. oh, Dave Way. Yeah, I've
1: got just right up here off Mulholland. Right? Yeah, oh, I actually, mean, they, a they
0: did me. a joint party with um, some other friends. Oh, so cool, it was cool. at the other friend's house, oh, and so it was actually, it was one of those commitment parties where you go all the way to the Palisades and you don't go <sighs> anywhere else. But it was worth it. Yes, they had like the most amazing sessions band, and it was incredible. so much incredible. Fun. Yeah, so oh. I had a joyful turning of the year, and it actually, it it makes a difference, right? When you when you have a great experience right at that beginning because it 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 colors the rest of the year. Like I'm already like cool. Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna be cool, but my heart was singing because of that experience. So I'm in a good mood, and yeah. I, I could have easily not had that experience. Yeah, no, I
2: I also feel. I guess I'm always not always. I'm pretty optimistic just naturally, I guess. But yeah, I think that um, yeah, the rain made it kind of dramatic, which I was
1: like. I I think part of the whole going through the pandemic and everything, <clears throat> we I personally really. Recommitted to my love of parties in general i just didn't realize how important they were to me and how profound they were um so i've i'm just finding more parties is always the solution to everything it seems like you know yeah i
0: agree in real life please more of it yeah, I- yeah, yeah. irl as they say exactly yeah no i agree i think there's something uh like there was something lost that uh The anxiety of being sort of in that lockdown experience, you you didn't really know how profound it was to connect and have community in person again till that happened. And then, so you didn't take it for granted. Like I don't take it for granted anymore. Yeah, now it's so exciting to be in a group of people. I mean, I can't do it every night. because no, that, yeah. that anxiety did have an effect on me.
2: Yeah, can... <laughs> and also, and, and anyway, uh, doing it like we had one big party, and I thought I could do this maybe twice a year, but it ta- it takes a lot out of out of you. Mm-hmm. But the live, the shows, the singing together, and music together those are that is the best
1: Mm -hmm. yeah musicians particularly i think playing together because we all carried on with our work sending each other files and collaborating virtually and all that and beautiful stuff came out of it i mean every musician i know made a record and they're all they're all gorgeous Mm -hmm. but the i always think of what happens in person you know that story about I think it's Laurence Olivier, someone who used to stand on the side of the stage before he went on and say, God, grant me the power to surprise myself. Mm. That's a live performance thing that happens yep. when people interact. Mm-hmm. And that, I think musicians really missed. Yeah. So, God, yeah. I love that quote. Thank I you I know. For that. I think it's a... I'm paraphrasing. It could be totally wrong, but yeah, it's something like, it like still. that. Something it's like, like, that. like Just I, own it. Roll with it.
0: That's definitely my favorite thing as a watcher of live performance Mm -hmm. is when the performer surprises so weirder together you guys okay first of all let's go before we get into weirder together which is the podcast you both do together which we've been listening to all morning as we set up and talk about joy and fun and expression of memories and times together and apart it's really it's really awesome I'm so glad you you guys started podcasting back at uh, you yeah it's really cool so but before that I want to go all the way back to I think Ionia and I met when I was like 14 yeah and you were 15 or something um all the way back you knew River you were in a movie with River Jimmy Mm -hmm. Reardon is that how you first met
2: well I think he was doing like a movie on our block one day before I remember he. My brother brought him over, and he. It was before Mosquito Coast because I feel like he invited me on a date to in like to Westwood or something. And I was so excited, and then he said, "I'm gonna do." I just got this movie, and I'm gonna go. And then he came back, and he had you know Martha became his girlfriend for a while. But I feel like I I definitely met him before, and then coincidentally we ended up maybe a year later doing a movie. But that was just like a one off. It was because our street. Weirdly looked like anywhere USA, hmm. so they would film there. I guess occasionally, whatever. But that was just very random. I don't know. It's so funny that my brother would maybe he was just like watching them film and he was just like, "Come on over." Well, Dono
1: always found himself at the right place at the right I time. Guess so. <laughs> he always meeting people, and
2: it turned out like we had like our moms are sort of similar, and like your grandpa Mike. I was thinking about it the other day, and my grandpa were like the same type of New Yorker grandpas. So there was like a similar funny background thing. But For yes, sure. and then yeah, and then you and we're around. I got closest to you and River.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to remember when, because I feel like there were definitely multiple times when we were in our teens that we hung out. I feel like I stayed at your house one or two times. Your mom totally reminded me of my mom in the best ways. And and it was just like, it was another home. It was like, oh, here's a different home, but in L.A., you know? And so uh, I guess my point was just, I think you guys are an awesome couple. And so now um, seeing you do a podcast together and kind of join. You've always been music, art, film, mm-hmm. um, parents too, right? Do you mm-hmm. have a we child have one, together? One kid together. Yeah, I yeah. think
1: also when for artists, life and creativity and your social life and your work life, it all is mixed together. <clears throat> I was describing to someone recently how I have this resentment over institutionalized vacations like the Christmas break um, when you can't get your management to pick up their phone or something because that's in the white-collar world. They have work and they have holidays. But for creative people, it's all bundled in and it's 24 hours a day and we're all, you know. So for us, I think we were always looking for the right container through which we could collaborate and our energies and tastes could mingle and, you know, Contrast and collaborate and stuff. So it's been, yeah, it's been a, it's been a work in progress over the, you know, fifteen or sixteen years since we started dating.
0: Mm-hmm. One thing I noticed listening to your podcast today was uh, you touched upon and really gave a very. Uh, strong moment in one of the episodes of Vivian Westwood, Dame Vivian Westwood, who just passed. But this was last June in 2022. It was really kind of amazing that. What wow, did we? I don't remember that. Yeah, that I was one of the ones I listened to. I think it's the one where you're in Australia. Oh yes, and you were we talking played about, a clip
3: of
2: yeah. it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, just seen that documentary, and I, I always liked her and loved her. But then, of course, you know when you see a documentary. You you're blown away about you know by how influential you know someone is and how amazing. Yeah, that's funny. I yeah, because wasn't
1: her quote about um, punk? She thought people had really missed the point basically with it, and it had become a fashion. Yeah, um, she was
0: saying yeah. something like there is nothing significant about the twentieth century. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> real, real. Like a uh, curmudgeon. Well,
2: I didn't know the that punk thing. Like Mike Watt uh, was would say that it wasn't it wasn't the aggressive, angry thing. It was more be yourself thing. And it's sort of how f- sometimes movements they they shift from the original. There's an original feeling behind them, and I think she had an original thing maybe and it just it, it gets it gets sort of you know kind of messed up along the way I guess. Corrupted.
0: Yeah. So to speak. Or just it's almost like a game of telephone. Right exactly. Yeah it exactly. just changes with each person. Adding their put. Piece. Yeah so has that experience for you working together um, on the podcast been joyful and good or does it make you want to ring each other's necks? Let's be honest. You we often know. have a
2: fight like before about the funniest things, like, if, you know, sometimes we get in a weird and like a bad mood right before something. And, you know, I'll say we, you know, we have to be in a good mood or, you know, whatever it is, but we it's sometimes we'll have a little fight before, but mainly, uh I, we really like doing the podcast. I it mean, really, there's it been- really
1: came out of also just Organically, we could never shut up together. Like from when we got together, you know, I think a lot of couples have that when they first fall in love, like just talking all night and all that kind of thing. But it sort of never stopped with us. Like we're both very verbal people. And I think for both of us, our love language is kind of just like talking to each other. So it just continued and continued. And I think we, it took us some time to realize. That there was some value in that for other people to listen to, um, people would say you should do a podcast. When we, but you know, when you're in a reality, you don't realize that there's uh, it has some value or something. And I think, I don't know, for us, it's like with our friends. You know, we knew each other for ten years before we went on a date, and I think for a lot of our friends, that has given them a type of confidence. Going, hey, you never know, the person could be there, right? in front of your mm. you know, in front of your nose that you you don't realise might be right. your your love. And um and I think in some ways our connection, just being two people who are quite different and, you know, having a bit of an age difference and having really different life experiences but a lot of commonalities. I think it gives just seeing people make it work, basically mm-hmm. is uh, inspiring I guess Yeah, yeah so people seem I to say. I don't remember
2: how we thought of it but it's nice we've we've directed like short films together or music videos but podcasts are relatively inexpensive and, and already if you're a musician you know a little bit about equipment so that's also why it's kind of like you know why not right and diversifying also is sort of fun when you you know, are musician and, yeah. you know, you do all these like other things. So,
1: yeah, cause we're doing, we do our podcast, and then we also have a little network of uh, podcasts we put out by other people. So we do um, one with Jello Biafra from Dead Kennedys mm-hmm. and one with Lou Barlow and Adele Barlow. He's, you know, from Sebado and Dinosaur Jr. And what Brock Enright, an amazing New York artist. And we're, um, We've got a bunch that we're developing, but it's kind of fun because you can run it like an indie label because the cost is very low to make it. So we basically are going into creative partnerships Mm. with people who we like and want to make stuff with. Mm. And, you know, we're not delusional about, we're not investing a ton of money in it and we're not promising to spend a ton of money on the marketing. But we'll say, hey, we'll throw our weight behind it. We'll help you make this thing. We'll help you promote it. And then... You know, uh, we've both always kind of had the belief that like you make things and you put them out in the world and it will, even if it's not the expected way in which you might get uh, the value returned to you, there is something, there's just good karma that happens by making good things with good people and putting them out into the world.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you all about um, how perhaps, because maybe, maybe it hasn't changed, but how your perception or your, your, the meaning the definition of success has changed for you over the years you both have had a lot of success in your separate careers success whatever you know in in terms of uh, having a wide audience and a lot of people that really admire your work and um post-pandemic did it shift and change at all um your perception of what is success and and uh like you said like is it a wider audience or not earlier, you know, like you don't know if the podcasts are going to have a huge, but you'd throw your weight behind it. Has the, has that changed for you? How you think about like what is successful and what the meaning of it is for each of you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think
2: I'm, I, I always want to, it's funny. I mean, I want to be, I want, I, I want to say, I want to be like, like more successful. But I, I think for me, you know, as you get older, you know more what you want to do and you can kind of trust, you know, as far as acting, like you can tell, oh, no, that doesn't, I wouldn't want to do that or I would want to do that. Whereas, you know, when you're younger, you sort of go up for everything or take almost like, or sort of, or you sabotage or you're sort of like not kind of aware of like, do I want to do this job? Do I not want to do this job? And as you get older, you sort of, you know, because you have experience, like you kind of, you don't know what it's going to be like exactly, but you can kind of have an idea and you know more. So I definitely feel like I can tell more of what I would like to do and what I don't want to do. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, as you get older, you know more at what, what things cost. So you kind of want to also pay attention to you know, supporting yourself. And, um, but yeah, I think I was just sort of more out of it when I was younger. Uh, and I just, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm getting more, you know, kind of aware of how things work as I get older. And I would like, also, I do love sort of, I don't know if it's manifestation, but we'll kind of get together and just sort of talk about what we would like, you know, like what what we would love you know how we would love to work and just the sort of just the sort of attitude and it, it's not like a you know a uh, new age manifestation exactly but that's also one way i feel like helps i don't know like let me understand like how i want to be successful or how i want to work you know yeah i think of it if that I makes know. any sense
1: yeah like i think of it like there's Obviously, there's the financial side where you want to be able to support yourself doing what you love. Mm. And we each, you know, depending on what your cost of living is and where you live in the world and what, how pricey the supermarkets are, that's going to be a bit different for everyone. But on a more basic level, I define success on a daily level of am I doing interesting things with interesting people? So today I got to, I wrote a song with this artist um, Sarah Tudson who plays under the name Illuminati Hotties and we've been talking about getting together and writing a song and she came over and we wrote a song together and then I knew we were coming over here to see you and I was like, wow, these are two really cool things today I'm excited about and yeah, awesome. I feel like if you, for me, I'm maybe I'm simple in some ways I mean, in some ways I've always liked quality over quantity mm-hmm. in terms of I don't really need everyone to love what I'm doing but I want to feel that what I'm doing is resonant with smart creative people Mm -hmm. because that's like my people you know so so that's sort of how I just judge it and if I look at my week and every day there's like one or two cool things that I'm excited about that feels to me like a life that I can be proud of and I can look forward to the week ahead and say I'm excited about all these things so Mm -hmm. I, I I just try and keep a very simple definition of it in a way.
0: Yeah. I think that that's wonderful because it is so uh ephemeral even when you have it success, right? The like the big version I just don't think anyone ever really has it, even when you have all of it, because if unless you're aware of those things, the beautiful parts of why you got successful or or the experiences in there, because otherwise you'll just keep grasping for the next best thing and you'll never like have the joy as you know, you might be like, "Woo, look at me, I'm on top. But that lasts, that's fleeting because then you got to stay there and there's yeah. someone else totally. who's getting it. So I, I love hearing it like quantifying success as, you know, have I hung out with interesting people this week and made art? Yeah. Like, because that's yeah. something you can like always feel good about. Yeah. yeah. And also you it's know.
1: like that, you know, like Biggie Smalls, like more money, more problems. Like <laughs> I do think that we tend to have very infantile perceptions of what other people's success Mm -hmm. or how much money people are making or like you know there's you really don't know what particular challenges exist at levels of success that you're not at i mean i remember it's so funny because i've known lots of very successful people but one of the biggest wake-up calls i had about it was reading an article about brad pitt in vanity fair trying to edit that world war z movie Mm -hmm. and how it was just a disaster And he'd really gotten that film made on his own name and his own and it was just not working and the stress he was under. And I was like, it doesn't end. Like the problems never end. Mm -hmm. Wherever you're perceiving someone is just having this like clean run across the finish line, it's a mess. Right. So now I I don't know why. It was like I think I was probably just ready to admit that to myself. Mm. And then I just read that article and I was like, oh yeah, I know that to be true.
2: Also there's a bit of maybe Yeah. Like brainwashing being like, I don't know, not Americans, but just about, you know, like, you know, capitalism and all of that conversation that, and I'm completely brainwashed. My 21 year old is so good at like, not in an aggressive way, because I find their generation actually very chill about making points. Whereas my, I feel like my generation were like, "Ah," like, just Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like, but they're very like, yeah, you know, if you think about it, like, I don't know, she just breaks down that sort of, you know, the dream for success or the pick the white picket fence or whatever all these things are that I absolutely fall prey to or whatever. And uh, or just, yeah, just the shopping or whatever we do, you know, yeah. so it's good to remember that that's not the only mentality as well. But anyway. and
1: also, it often doesn't include fun. Yeah, yeah. Like like people's the definition of success under capitalism is not measured in terms of fun. Right. And this is a good point. And I think like when the people I admire around me are people who are having a really good time doing what they're doing. And that can be at any level. Right. And I've come to realize as we've gotten more sort of comfortable, I guess, with our place in culture, which is like Oh, we're sort of like, you know, minor alternative icons. <laughs> it's like, you know, whatever it is, like, right. like our little niche right. in, in alternative culture or whatever it is. It's like we've just leaned into having as enjoyable as experiences we can, making the things that we're making. And you realize people start perceiving you as more successful. Because that is really admirable. Like when you see people having fun, you're like, I want to do what they're doing. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's so true. And honestly, that is. The, that that is success and it is hard to get over the cultural brainwashing Yeah, it really is yeah. especially being kids of the 90s or yeah. whatever it's like it, it, and through the 80s really yeah, we grew yeah. up in the 80s the yeah. age of excess right and yeah. the decade of excess so I too totally relate to what you said Ioni and have like made concerted efforts to remember that joy is actually the greatest act of rebellion especially at sort of helping break up some of that Conditioning to believe that, like money and power, that money and power is what where it's at. Because I too have seen plenty of powerful, um, rich people not very happy. Yet I've seen so much joy in the people that follow their bliss, follow their creative and are impassioned to do so irregardless of what people think, irregardless of if it's hugely successful. You're right. We have to make ends meet. We have to pay rent. These things are really important because we still live in a capitalist society and we have to like adhere to some extent. But I do think there's something in this about the joy piece and the happiness that inevitably magnetizes um, tran- transformative and or uh, at least survivable monetary situations toward oneself. yeah and it's also, yeah right. absolutely and yeah. it also
1: is like the enjoyment of the dance is I find that really exciting. like one of the um, musicians who I always heard uh, I heard that Jarvis Cocker from Pulp, you know that he liked arguing with his record label. Because he believed that at the end of the day, the two arguments would find the best solution in compromise between them within pop culture. Not if you're talking about high art or something. But if essentially you're talking about pop songs or things that have to exist within uh, a, a, a sort of lightweight culture. In a way, the battle between the artist and the patron or the corporation or whatever... There's something actually highly enjoyable about that battle. And um anyway, I guess it's also about it's another way to have fun, which is wherever you find yourself in the process of making things mm. to remember to enjoy the struggles because they are ultimately in the name of creating better stuff or mm-hmm. learning more about them or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I love, love to that hear
2: too. that conversation with, I don't know why. I know. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, that does sound interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I
1: guess it was just that like, he yeah. he, he didn't necessarily want to win. Right. He wanted to find a solution. Right. It's like, you know, it's like a Mick and Keith thing, like mm. songs written by two people. Um, I think Keith Richards says he likes songs written by two people better than songs written by one person because one person never has to justify their choices. Mm. Whereas two people working like how we work in collaboration I only because sometimes I'll just pull ahead and be like, "I'm putting this, I'm doing this, I'm we're making this podcast with this," and she'll be like, "Well, let's process this together because this is a collaboration, and it grounds me, and it makes a better, <laughs> and it makes a better end result." We just I did a FISP. I can agree more. We just I, saw, a, I saw your fist bump. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just proud. telling I, like I, like it. It. I mean, that's, our, that's sort <laughs> yeah. of launch left
0: spirit animals collaboration over competition. <laughs> we love to talk about that in the artist community because that's one of those areas that also sort of brainwashed by cultural mores we forgot that collaboration is where the joy is and competition is where all the pain really is because when you're always like comparing yourself to others and they're doing more and they they got that job and they're they're the ones with the hit record and the, and you're just sinking into despair and negativity that is not how creative activity grows in oneself, right? So it's such a powerful thing to remember that when we collaborate and when we come together, even though that can be hard, and it's really difficult to share something with someone and maybe not like their piece or be have to fight about it a little. But it does bring a like a more robust, like creative experience. And yeah, sometimes you got to do it, go your own way. It's not like you have to always collaborate. But I think it's really powerful when people do and especially couples like that's not an easy thing all the time. Often you'll hear like, sometimes people will do something creative together and it will make them crazy. Like we want to break oh, people up. people break up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. So, yeah. so I, I, yeah. I think it's brave and courageous and fun. Um, and I just, off of that, I want to ask about, like, because music really is, is a big part of both your lives. I know you're a huge lover of music. I mm-hmm. you always have been. Um, and been obviously, I mean, I don't even know how old you are
1: when you started. I'm, well, I'm well, now 44. I started when I was 14, so yeah. 30 years. God, that's yeah,
0: incredible. Yeah, yeah. So what did you bond over Musically, when you met, like, what was the thing? How did music find you as a couple? I always ask how music found you, but I'd like to know how that happened
1: for you as a couple. What's your perception of that?
2: That's well, I mean, question. I was of, I was, I liked your music because Ben was on Adam Ho- or the BC Boys label, so mm-hmm. we knew about his band, and so I liked your music already. But how did we find?
1: I definitely remember like you on tour with me, and like me. I remember playing Jay Z's "The Black Album" in a little dirty motel room somewhere into it, and because I loved that record, and I was like turning her onto it, and I think, and you would make me mixes like for sure. Sharing of what music we were passionate about is like yeah. I wonder part of what the love.
2: songs were we were sharing. I mean, we probably had a Stevie
1: lot. Wonder. You shared. Um, I I can't tell you why.
2: Oh yeah, an older Stevie Wonder song. Yeah. I mean, we had. A, it's always funny to no, go. No, 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 no. Like, I can't tell you why. Uh, I don't know called? why. I didn't. I don't know. It's don't like know an why. earlyish. All, yeah, yeah, I don't know. why. It's not super early, but it's not it's his '70s stuff. But whatever. But um, and then there's always the songs that, uh, like certain. Well, we would talk about, like, say the Beatles, and you felt a pressure to love them so much, and I was always confused at first because you. I felt a resistance in you t- uh, toward the Beatles and I was like scratching my head like, wait, what's going on here? But I, the later we uncovered or whatever you were like, it just, I felt a lot of pressure, something about that. But there's always funny when you have to learn how to have good boundaries and not get too like codependent and realize you're not going to like always the same thing. Because also like I, I but, always
1: want to have my own experience mm-hmm. with things. And sometimes like when Beyonce did Coachella, and everyone's like, you've got to watch it. You've got to watch it. And it's like, I'm now actually having a hard time watching and having my own reaction to it. Right. So I watched it, I think, three years after it happened and I really enjoyed it. But The Beatles, <laughs> you can never have that gap. Right. You never get a moment yeah. where the hype dies down and you can just enjoy the music. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a really good
1: point. That's funny.
0: That's true. Yeah. Um, Okay, activisms. Uh, curious what you both champion together or separately. If there's something that really resonates with you, and by that it can be anything. It's it's not. It doesn't mean a nonprofit. Or no,
1: we were actually having a huge talk about this yesterday.
0: Well, yeah. When we met, uh, we well, not when we met.
2: When we um, Ben was sort of in a sort of Indian like cult at one point when we first met, and we would go to India, and we talked a lot about like doing things of service, and when they feel so good, like. Okay, I'll go back. I'm like all over the place. But my friend Anne Rawlings in New York used to work at this foundling hospital for kids who had major health issues and all of this. And it was the most amazing experience. You know, it just, it's exactly what, you know, you want. It's like when you hear of like, whatever, a junkie the first time they ever did heroin or something. And it's like, they never could feel that again. And this was like one of those like, of service moments, that was a dark example, but this was like anytime I did this, and I was always looking for this feeling. But sometimes things are awkward when you're not that you shouldn't still do it because mm-hmm. we were also talking about that. Like in our podcast, we do uh, on, on what do they call it in Australia? Uh, land acknowledgement, land acknowledgement, yeah. and you know, someone asked a question do you feel how can you feel comfortable being on land stolen land and I was like I don't think you're we're ever going to feel comfortable so I guess my point is we were always trying to find how to be of service and how to be active and it's not always comfortable like during but I still think I can't help but not want to join things like during um, Black Lives Matter like we got on this uh, call every week um, with different people involved in different programs and and it just helped us like during the most hardcore part in the lockdown like it just to do to do something and listen to people who are actually doing things um you know with laws and whatever like lawyers and people who do yeah. things that i you sometimes think no one could do anything right. but then you realize no there's a lot of people doing a lot of things mm-hmm. and uh, you just have to kind of get involved and realize there are a lot of people like your mom you know and a lot of people but anyway i'm all over the place but i'm very i get like frustrated because sometimes it's hard to know what of, to do right. and yeah yeah no i i know and then you're like let me do something small and local like at yeah. the library right. like something that's very helpful it's very
1: painful because you get anything you get involved in you eventually find that it's murky And it's complex. Mm -hmm. And activism is just as potent a garden for the ego as anything else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But people have very, like, idealistic concepts about activism. Oh, yeah. what I I didn't
2: finish with the Indian thing. We used to serve food. And then I remember we were like... This something about this doesn't feel like I was looking for a certain feeling mm. like the one I had at the children's hospital, like as if it's about me, <laughs> you know, but anyway, you yeah. know, you go all over the place and it's not always, it's very ongoing. I yeah. think the
1: exploration, I think, I think what we share is a desire to be involved and to help where we can in ways that make sense. But I had an experience a few years ago when I, I, was noticed quite early the convergence of uh, the wellness and yoga world with the far right. Um, And I noticed that coming up and I got quite disturbed by it. And I got quite involved in, I guess, an attempt to expose the people who were behind QAnon. And I... There's a lot of information about it, and I found, I found it quite disturbing because I realized that you're dealing with a highly internet literate, quite morally, like morally corrupt group of activists on the other side who know how to make your life very difficult through the internet if you mess with them. And I made a real decision to step back from being involved with that because it's not my primary job and I have a family and I I, I just found it, I found it a little bit risky in a lot of ways mm-hmm. to do with some of the personalities. There's like certain types of mercenaries and people on the internet who are just like, they'll just go to, they won't stop at anything in the sense of smearing you if you mess with what they're, doing Mm -hmm. um so anyway i I guess my point is that was a little bit of a heartbreaking moment for me when i realized that i have my own limits of how far i'll put myself at risk to be of service Mm -hmm. and i think these are all very difficult spaces to navigate Mm -hmm. as a feeling person That wants to be part of good things and wants to be part of positive change.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I do think um, probably one of the most profound things that I've like experienced when when I have, which is rare, but I really want to keep trying. For me personally, with active what what I call activism is like a kind of activism of the heart, where I hold myself responsible in every situation to look in the mirror, not out the window. Like that, because inevitably, like you said, it's so easy to be corrupted and Mm. have the ego enter something where you're helping. But what like where where am I actually sitting in my in myself when I'm doing what I'm doing to help others? Is it from that place? So constant self-reflection to me is a kind of form of activism, especially around do gooding. Yeah yeah, right, yeah, or yeah helping. Yeah. Like cuz you could be harming and you think yeah. you're helping. Yeah. So really the only way to discern whether you're helping or not is to focus on where yeah. is your heart sitting? Is yeah. it about you or is it about really really helping this person, these animals, whatever. Yeah. So that that and like you said it's complicated but that's probably the simplest thing I've found to kill the complexity which is like oh just look at me let's look at exactly where my head's at where's my heart at is this really coming from a good place or you know and that's like the only thing i can that feels somewhat tethered to truth yeah because anything else feels corruptible yeah right you know
1: yeah i also think that the the little things that we do within community are people often overlook them in terms of the implications of like, you know, for instance, with my career, I really do believe that I, look, I may, I'm such a willful person. I probably would have fought my way through one way or another, but essentially I feel I got into music because a few people, including mike d and thurston from sonic youth and this guy steve pav in australia they like held the door open for me when i was 14 you know and i consider it now my responsibility to do that for younger artists Mm -hmm. because i know i know what it did for me Mm -hmm. And, and that is a form of like you said um you know our capitalist society doesn't necessarily encourage that type of thinking but that's To me, the natural order, like I love. There's a Gillian. No, not Gillian Welch. um, There's a a Laurie McKenna.
2: You're full of good quotes. No, there's a Laurie McKenna song. I love. No, there's a Laurie McKenna Uh, song. I
1: love. She says. um, She says, when you get, uh, when the dreams that you're dreaming come to you, when the work you've put in is realised, help the next one in line. Mm. And it's. I I always. I, I just think that's the natural order of things, and it's even calling it. You, it is actually activism because it's actually reshaping the world and the industry into something that's a bit more utopian. But and it you mind if I use yeah, that as launch yeah. left? Uh, yeah. That's that's
0: a really great succinct way of explaining yeah. what launch left is trying to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I think <laughs> so, it's like we got to yes. like think in different ways about <laughs> yes.
1: what is activism and what is yeah. how are we going to transform yes. the world? Yeah. Exactly. Yes.
0: How do we change some of the hard-won industry ways of being into something that is more people-based and more kindness-based and less about competition and more about lifting up and holding the door open, as you said. And But like a fearlessness and a courage to throw bricks through windows and to change make even against all odds. Like these are the things that excite me and yeah. like sort of what why we're here in this intentional space together talking about it is exactly what, launch left aims to try to do is how you shared because there's nothing better than that feeling of having a door held open for you when you're a young kid who's feels like you're in a in a like vacuum and who's gonna ever hear your songs and and then you have two or three champions come through and go we hear them and we're gonna introduce 50,000 more people to them and have you play and open for us or I mean it's an incredible feeling and I too have benefited from that kind of generosity in my life through other artists and That's why I wanted to create a space where we could do it very intentionally in a podcast format or in any in many formats as a label, all the ways that we do. But specifically as a place to talk to artists like yourselves who are, you know, taking chances, doing doing art your own way, but also holding the door open for others. And off that today, I know you both have someone specific in mind and we're going to actually speak
1: with her. Um, So she's an Australian songwriter. And, uh, there's, she's just great. Um, I guess before anything else, I just would say her spirit is, she's just like, she's a hippie punk. She's kind of like the definition (laughs) of cool. I only really hung out with her
2: in person once and she, she came with a really cool friend as well. She's just like a like a solid person the like the definition of cool, spark, cool but Such not a, in a like a intimate like a, that's a cool person they dress cool just yeah a spark but um just so intriguing as a, a person
1: and, and very alive and very and she's been she's been, she's a brilliant it, it's like you know she does it's like a folky kind of you know she's a singer songwriter um but she's worked a lot with her native indigenous language too, um, but also does stuff in English. Um, but she's what's interesting about her is she's been put in a quite a unique situation in Australia where there is a real um, effort to. Some of it is token effort, and some of it's genuine effort right. to uh, honour the First Nations people and to create opportunities. But she through both her art and her insight that she offers into just from her unique perspective. I think she's, she's someone I've learned a lot from. Um, yeah. I don't know. She's just been like a joy.
2: She's the go-to person. So it's kind of, is that what you're saying? What's unique? Well, no, I'm just saying that like
1: it's, you know, it it can be complicated, I think, when... Because she's talked about how, you know, there's a lot of stuff about, like, oh, you got to have Indigenous representation on festivals or something, and they always go to the same... Yeah, that's what you're saying, right? They go to the same people. Right. And yeah. she has expressed that, that, you know, there's, like, a lot of Indigenous artists right. who you could... But, but she's become... Uh, it's well, just weird how it's at converged. The,
2: at the Australian version of the Grammys? Is the that Arias. The, the Arias. It was very... Uh, a lot of yeah, there's
1: there's more and more um, yeah, First good. Nations representation, but I've just found I've really learned from her. But again, I don't I don't want to reduce it to her as an activist because she's almost an activist. I see her as an activist by accident. I see her spirit with which she's doing her music, and which she laughs, and with which she shares her mental health journey as an artist. And you, know, it's just she's a voice that i am really happy to see in culture was the jack johnson tour amazing
4: oh i've got his water bottle (laughs) (laughs) i'm like (laughs) it was like amazing incredible like just yeah and oh look i'm still processing i think i haven't really like come to terms with that everything was just so fast and you know, there was everything that happened on the tour. Like the first day, like I, I got mad gastro, <laughs> and so I thought I couldn't go on the flight. <laughs> and I was like, "Nah, no, sis, you can do this. You can pull through." You know. And then I ended up going on the flight, and then um, right at the first, the first performance in Perth. Um, right before I got on stage, I grabbed my guitar from the guitar case and I just went, I just looked at my tour manager Mon, and I just went, nah, and just vomited. Oh, <laughs> no. And everything was like, oh, yeah, supporting, yeah, Emily Woodamar calling me out on stage. And I just, like, grabbed this little cloth wiped in my mouth. My tour manager was like, I got you, and just, like, put the it was proper rock star put the guitar on like the guitar strap on and walked out and was like
0: hello
1: <laughs> unreal
0: wow so for those of you out there listening and watching my assumption is that they're talking about jack johnson on tour and that emily opened for him on tour in australia and the rest you've just heard but Huge i had the good news right
4: yeah it was it was crazy i feel like um yeah, it was just really wild. I, fe- I felt like it was a dream, like you know when you go out on stage and you see so many lights, and you're like, "Whoa, am I like here or like, am I here?" And then you actually the light turns on, and then you see all the people in the crowd, and you're like, "What is going
1: on?"
4: Did you um, play yeah, pardon.
1: Were you acoustic, or did you have a band?
4: I was acoustic but Ziggy also was supporting Ziggy Alberts and he was amazing he had the whole setup he had a stomp box he had this big crate thing that had like this beautiful carpet on it he was just like everything was dazzling it was so beautiful Um, but (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah it was fun um it was just nice to play and sing and you know, um, then Jack like invited me up on stage to sing Lady Blue, and I was just like, What? Like, how does this post Like, just yeah, I, I grew up listening to Jack and yourself. I'm still kind of like sanding, but I'm even talking to you guys. It's like, What? <laughs> so it's like when you meet your idols and the people you listen to, and they turn out to be such deadly human beings that are so real and down to earth, it's like, Ah, oh, like, you know, that's. That's that's solid. Like I love that. That makes me so happy. And um yeah, it was just so solid and such a beautiful memory. And um his team was so welcoming and, and so kind to everyone that came in the space and yeah, I felt really held and supported and um yeah, I think they did a great job. And I'd definitely love to go again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: See what I mean? Yes. I I was saying, like, you – oh, okay, you're not frozen. I was saying that, like, you're such an amazing just voice to have in culture and so intelligent and insightful and, you know, I've learned so much from you too. But all of that aside, your energy is so infectious. I just feel like you bring such genuine warmth and joy to – you know your music and just to your interactions and it's i don't know i think you're so amazing
0: <laughs> thank you Ben. how did you meet how
1: did how did you all meet we just met on the internet
0: <laughs> wow
2: did you like each other's posts and stuff i can't remember well we
1: were gonna do a gig together i think that's why we first what happened what show oh with the Whitlams. yeah but I'd heard your music before and then we just met um, on Instagram. I've met so many of like great friends now through Instagram.
0: <laughs> so, this is an ad for Facebook now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but
1: in Australia, you know, it's a smaller community mm. in terms of musicians and it's not really like... Like in America, people can sort of drift off just into their private heaven or hell. I like, you know, but in Australia it's like everyone knows each other and I don't know, I think it's like really important. Well, we were just talking about the whole staying connected with younger people coming up and everything and it, it's it's also selfish in that as you get older, you can get kind of stuck in your ways too, I think, as an artist. And you need to keep shaking it up and being exposed to like, There's a fire that people have at the beginning in like the first decade of their career. There's nothing like it. And that to me is like, that's like drugs to me. Like the energy that people have in the beginning when they're just hell-bent on expressing themselves and getting out there. I love it, you know? Mm. it's so cool. You're a champion of artists.
4: I think it's really important, you know? Like I love what you're saying there about an artist, like, you have to shake it up a bit because, um, you know, like, I don't know, like, I don't know. I feel like music these days, there's hardly a story behind it, you know what I mean? And there's, like, feelings that you've got to have when you're singing these songs because you're so vulnerable in spirit, in soul, and in person, like, physical vessel, that it's such a sacred process and such a sacred ceremony to yourself to be able to do music and be able to express yourself in that way and be able to make people feel in that way i think that like you know that's like such an honor
0: yeah well thank you so much for uh waking up early and and getting on this call so we could all be together
4: hi my name is emily Woodamara, and this is my song called stay the fuck away from me All right, lots
0: of love. Thanks
4: for doing this. All right, see you guys.
1: Hi, I'm Ben Lee. And
2: I'm Aoni Sky.
1: And the artist we would like to launch is Emily Wuramata.
3: Shower? Do I look for pretty flowers? Can I even move? What the hell is that noise? We're in a quiet street And usually it's not that really loud Do I have some breakfast? Do I wake and bake? I've got a book I open up when I'm in the morning to run away from my head. But I'm trying, why can't you see? It's really hard for me, so stay the fuck away from me. Yeah, I'm trying, why can't you see? It's really hard for me, please stay the fuck away from me. I put that out of my mind I mean I cook a good dinner No, I never got to choose What I wanted to bring Now I live in a house With a real family I don't quite know Yeah, what that really means But it feels so good To say I'm learning I'm learning But I'm trying Why can't you see It's really hard for me, so stay the fuck away from me. Yeah, I'm trying. Why can't you see? It's really hard for me. Please stay the fuck away from me. Please stay. And you're not turning back now No, 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 don't no fight Cause I'm not turning back And you're not turning back now Yeah, I'm trying Why can't you see It's really hard for me Please stay the fuck away me. Yeah, I'm trying
4: Love to you all. Have a beautiful,
0: beautiful day. Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields.